0: Welcome to this week's CTO studio. We have four humans around a table, and one of them is a robot. Brian Jones, Alan Leard, Alex Bellage, and myself. We talk about PR. We talk about positive messaging. We talk about why it's so shitty to be at some conferences.
1: I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see.
2: (laughs) It looks something like you.
0: Welcome to the CTO Studio. I'm your host, Etienne de Bruin. The CTO Studio is where we chat with CTOs building amazing products with incredible teams. Have you chatted with a CTO lately? Brian, welcome to the CTO Studio. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How do you feel uh, about being joined by Alan and Alex? I'm super uncomfortable right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, they
0: seem like amazing
1: guys. I can't wait to get into it.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, Brian, uh, CEO, founder of uh, Nuts and Bolts PR. Nuts and Bolts of PR. Uh, Alan is the CTO co-founder of Limelight Health. Alex Balage is the chief architect at Intuit.
1: I am so out of my league right now.
0: Great. I was pausing. A long, for dramatic pause. For wow,
1: very dramatic.
0: Yeah. Uh, Brian, so tell us about PR. Does it stand for public relations? Does it stand for publicity realized? Does it stand for... You should just stop. Okay, I stop. Okay. <laughs> it,
1: it, it does technically, be, uh, the correct uh, term is public relations. I actually don't even use that term i like to use positive publicity because in my experience public relations is just confusing too many people are trying to define it Hmm. and and i think industry insiders purposely make it sound like it's rocket science so outsiders or people running companies have to rely on them so i just go down to the street level the basics and i say all it is at the end of the day pr public relations is all about positive publicity what can you do to create positiveness, to create visibility and shine a spotlight on your company. I feel like the sooner that you bring it down to that street level and you get rid of the jargon and you stop trying to define it, the easier it becomes for just regular type folks to take advantage of what it can do for a company, what it mm-hmm. can do for uh, for your brand. I like
0: that, I like that, but I'm immediately thinking I wanna be positive, but now I don't know how or what to do with that. Isn't that where the PR comes in? So for instance, uh, I'm I'm doing this initiative or this happened at my company it's positive but but I still need someone to know about it so that that can get some coverage is that absolutely it comes down
1: to att- attention exposure whatever word you want to use but any sort of positive thing that you can do to shine a spotlight on yourself or your business create exposure create visibility all those sorts of things it, it comes down to attention so what kind of what kind of attention that you can you turn into content that's positive, that's going to make you look good, make your company look good, bring more people in? It doesn't always have to be about your company. It could be about a million other little things going on in, in day-to-day life. And as long as you can put a positive spin on it and create attention in order to bring people in Uh, then then you're going to help you know you're really going to help give your company a boost or or your brand Mm. or whatever you're selling you're going to make people more comfortable and that's going to create a credibility factor as well so the more positive attention that you could turn into content for your company then the more credibility it's going to create it's going to do a lot of intangible types of things that are going to help you grow
3: so brian that old adage there's no such thing as bad publicity so you're telling us that's not true
1: I don't think that that's true at all. I, I think that you want to stay away from the bad if you can, if you possibly can. If you put a positive spin on anything you do, and you could help, you know, really help uh, outsiders understand what you do, and, and always stay positive. It's just it's it's only going to create more opportunity. That's why I say if you can stay positive, if you can help uh, people understand what you do, um, you're you going to bring more people in, and, and you don't do that by creating negativity. Um, so that's why I always want to want to stay away from that. I, I definitely don't believe that that sort of adage.
3: Yeah. So uh, our uh, outgoing C- CEO um, Brad Smith, one of the things that he was fantastic at, he was a great storyteller, and in fact, he would
1: teach storytelling. So, what do you think is the role of storytelling in terms of PR? I think everybody has a story to tell, uh, even if they think they don't. So most people do and they uh, most of the clients that I deal with say I have no story to tell, no one's gonna care about what I'm doing because there's just nothing to tell and that couldn't be further from the truth. Those types of people actually end up having the best story hmm. because I think everybody gets pigeonholed and they get tunnel vision that all they can talk about is their product or service. They don't realize that the story lies with them, their experiences, their life experiences and that's what people want to hear. Hmm. And so you're able to create positive attention based on your experiences in life and still bring people in and shine a light on what your product or service is. If you can bring them in using any positive means necessary, and that means your life story, most of the CEOs and the clients that I deal with, they have amazing stories to tell from ex- past experiences, whether it's college, high school, you know, an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend, a marriage or whatever it is, and they're able to turn it into something that helps uh, uh, somebody else. So I think that's super true. Uh, Everybody has a story to tell and it's all about stories. It's how you can craft stories and then think a little differently. Again, don't always think about your product or service. Think about life experiences. Those are the ones that are most compelling.
2: Yeah, I think um, I love that because it's creating a personality around the company and like it, I think that when you see the companies that are constantly just posting about like, buy our service or let us tell you what we do, like you turn those off, right? You don't wanna watch them, you don't wanna, but then there's the others where there's the broader story that becomes much more interesting. And I think that that's, it's really interesting what you're bringing up.
0: I think it requires uh, optimism. I, I like the mind shift from, uh, I want something from you and I'm trying to I'm trying to position it so that I can get a call to action versus I just want to make a positive contribution and then the right. non-intuitive response, like people responding to that. I still have a problem, though, with where does this all go to? Like, is it a blog? Is it a tweet? Is it a that, To me, that's the PR tech crunch. How do I get that positive shit in front of the right eyeballs?
1: I mean, it, it, there's no magic bullet. That's why I tell everyone all the time. Everyone in this day and age is looking for instant gratification. They're looking for that magic bullet. It, it takes a lot of work I'm not going to lie. It does. It takes a lot of work. It it takes a lot of, um, you know, trying to figure out what your niche is or what story is the most compelling. A lot of companies I tell people all the time, unless you somehow come up with a way to to cure cancer, you're probably not going to get covered immediately by Forbes and TechCrunches. You know, those, those sorts of media outlets you have to put in the work. You're not just instantly going to be covered by them. So, that's why i go back to what can you talk about that might not have anything to do with your company product or service what can you start to do to create a conversation most of the companies i've been super successful with getting them attention we didn't talk about you know what they were doing from a product standpoint honestly what they were doing wasn't exactly the most sexy thing in the world we used any and other any any and all positive means necessary to bring people in i keep saying bring people in So it's not all about just media attention. There's things you can do in your local community as well uh, to create torchbearers. So then other people who find out what you're doing uh, and who you are go out and then they talk about you to other people. You're creating torchbearers. So it's not all just media focus. There's a lot of other little things you can do at the community level. Uh, to create that sort of awareness, to create that attention that, that honestly, at the end of the day, is going to help facilitate new sales, new customers. I've even seen positive attention be able to attract or lure investors. So that's how powerful it can be. If an investor sees what kind of positive things you're doing and they see that your story is something super compelling, that makes them more comfortable with sitting down and figuring out what you're doing and if they really want to invest in you.
3: So in in a world where... <clears throat> The you know the digital age, information is just ubiquitous, and and the message is just nonstop. How do you approach, how do you approach this space in terms of controlling the message when huge parts of the message are out of your control?
1: Can you can you be a little bit more specific?
3: Yeah. So so basically, um, it, uh, in a world that has Facebook and Google and. Um, all these different places where people can go get information, and some of them are obviously slanting left or right or have certain agendas. Uh, there's a lot of information out there. And so when that information is out there, and some of it may be true, some of it may be skewed, like how do you approach telling this story, building this brand, delivering this PR in a world where information is out there that may, may countermand what you're, the message you're trying to deliver?
1: Sure, and I'll try and answer that the best way I can. Uh, for me, especially in the beginning, I didn't care what platform, I didn't have the luxury of picking what platform. I had to pump out as much content as I possibly could and use all channels. And then after months and months of doing this and putting in the work, kind of take a step back and say, which ones are, are really working? Where is my message being consumed the most? Um, If if you're referring to more of the kind of like the fake news uh, era that that we seem to be in, I personally, I come from politics. I worked for a member of Congress for seven years, so I know how to um, notice the bullshit right away. And so what I try and do is. I try and pull information from many different outlets. So I'll purposely read something on a far left website. I'll purposely read the same Mm -hmm. article on a far right website. I'll try and find some middle ground. I'll Mm -hmm. put it together. Not everybody has that much time Mm -hmm. to do that, but that's kind of how I, uh, I I work my bullshit meter. If you want to, you know, to to use that term. Um, So that's how I kind of figure out what's what, and I constantly am consuming the news because that's, again, I, that's the background I came from. The news is kind of my ally. I wrote an article in, in Entrepreneur a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, the news of the day is my ally for content. That's what I rely on. That's what gives me the ability to have my finger on the pulse of what, of what society is thinking, what they're up to. I think too many people uh, get caught up. <laughs> You're going to love this, at the end. I wrote... I, I wrote, I wrote, don't get don't get stuck in your podcast bubble. And I have nothing against podcasts. Obviously, I'm on one. But differentiate the news that you consume. Don't get stuck listening to the same thing that's just going to reiterate. It's too,
0: hard. I, it's too hard work, man. Yeah. It's too hard it to is. open yourself up to, to other people's paradigms.
2: Well, I think, to Alex's point, I mean, we're all bombarded with so much information these days, right? I mean, it's like, if you think back whatever 20 years ago you had a couple of outlets right you might listen to the radio you might read the newspaper you might turn on tv and see some commercials now there's outlets everywhere we open our phones we get notifications we have facebook we have twitter we have podcasts we have all this stuff so i think i mean maybe if i can just expand on alex's question i'm interested in your perspective on how do you rise above that how do you get your message out there so that I think what you said a lot is is this positive um, publicity is around connecting with the people so that they feel like they're coming into your company. They know who you are, which I think is is awesome. But how do you how do you rise above all the bullshit that's out there? I think is
1: honestly, you just have to be confident in who you are. There's really again, there's no you know magic saying I'm going to give you that's going to say ah you know other than you just have to be freaking confident in who you are.
0: I want I to I interrupt you there because uh, I, I'm the host of the show. Is that cool? Did you just ask permission to interrupt him because <laughs> sure. now we've wasted 20 seconds. No, I, I got excited. I got excited. Um, I am, you know, so just something I noticed. Um, and I think I know the answer to this. What I noticed was, so I do these conferences around uh, the, the, the country. So it's called the 0111 CTO Conference. And obviously as a San Diegan I don't have access to those markets the way I have to this Um, so a lot of our outreach is done in on LinkedIn and of course I'm now one of the many many voices I mean when last did you take a LinkedIn message seriously right well I'm one of those people who I believe is genuinely asking CTOs hey do you want to come and have a day of conversations with other CTOs and uh, you know the the ticket price covers our cost and uh, there's no vendors I just want you there but for them it's like 12 connection requests I see we have a lot in common or I would noticed. you know so anyways Um, two things I realized one uh, the more casual and confident I am in myself the more palatable my message is Mm. and so a mentor of mine called it the spear emails where it's simple personable and I I can't remember the rest entertaining a whatever Um, but I never got to the other part but what I noticed was if I talk to people and and I assume the best I'm positive, I'm optimistic about my relationship with them. Th- that already stands heads and shoulders above the news stream that they're getting, whether it's solicitation, or whether it's the tweet or whatever. If you just, and I know it's very hard for the CTO brain to do this, but to assume that the person wants to hear from you, is interested in what you have to say, and that you are personable. Like, you're almost like you're texting somebody. And that email that you did in all lowercase and was one and a half sentences, not even, and didn't even have a subject line, that has become the thing that grabs people's attention. That's number one. Number two, and you're welcome to postulate your or formulate your response because it is profound. Number <laughs> two is I notice that the closer I get to the conference date, the less I give a shit because I have less to lose. Now, this is event marketing, so this is different. And the, in the beginning, I am polite. I am conscious of your time. Mm. And I am gracefully inviting you to maybe please consider if you would like to carve out something. But the closer I get is like, dude, I don't give a shit if you can make it. You need to be there. because, And then the response is... You know, are, are phenomenal, and I think it's the it's the I, I think the word is potentially authenticity, and it's like you said, confident in who you are. Where we start removing all the PC, all the airs and graces, and we just start communicating with people like they're people, and not some brand or some force that you have to contend with. You know, in, as soon as I see someone this morning, I read an article about. Uh, um, Seismics founder you know $90 million exit and then now a billion plus valuation right San Diego company immediately I feel like that person is inaccessible will never ever respond to anything I have to say and then immediately I felt sorry for, for him because he probably isn't he, he didn't disqualify me I disqualified myself mm. because I saw his this insurmountable success that why on earth would he want to talk to me and, um, and and I feel like kind of that's why I interrupted you because I'm kind of vibing with what you're saying is to go back to the realness, the authenticity, and assuming the best that people do want to hear from you and that they want to hear what you have to say. Pretend like you're talking to that person, and don't craft your message for the ninety-nine percent doesn't give a shit about what you have to say. I couldn't
1: agree more. There, there's too many people out there that are trying to be something they're not. And the more that you do that, I think the more awkward and the, more, the less genuine, obviously, you, you come across. Instead of just saying, this is who I am. You know, this, is, this is what I do. And, and I'm going to be me.
0: And, and, and then you operate from that strength. <clears throat> Absolutely. And I think too often I'm trying to talk to the people who don't care about me and my organization and what I have to say. At the expense of the three and a half people who actually do care about me very much. One, two, three and a half, yeah. half, yeah—but <laughs> in, in my half.
1: half. <laughs> my <laughs> response to, to the CEO seismic, you say that, that might not have enough time to, to reply to you and everything. My, my response to that is you just try. It, it, what, what's the worst thing that happened? You, you spend five, 10 minutes putting together an email, but you're not going to know unless you, unless you try. And, and you'd be surprised when you use that genuineness mm-hmm. that you have about yourself, Talk which I me. actually love about you at the end. You are genuine. You're real. That's why I'm so drawn to you. But you use that in an email at the worst, you know, worst case scenario, 10 minutes of your life, you know, w- was wasted, yeah. but you're not going to know unless you try and you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised uh, that, you know, that you get a response. Yeah.
2: So, an interesting parallel that I'm thinking about is that recently um, at, at Limelight Health, we've been going out and we have, we, we're doing enterprise sales. And we've recently noticed that we've been getting a significant amount of feedback around our transparency, which is very explicit for us. We, we find it as a core value when we're doing it in the sales process to be sure that we're transparent. And so speaking about, you know, no bullshit and just coming out with it, we, when we're talking to our um, potential clients, we've been saying what we do and what we don't do. And there's been um, a regular message over the last couple months that after we leave those meetings, they say, thank you so much for actually being real and telling us like, oh no, we're not going to do that feature. We don't do that thing. Mm. We- That's just a prototype because most of your competitors... Are not doing that they'll come in and they'll promise and they'll say they're doing all these things and i think it's it's very similar in this like idea that we've built up this model where it's like we're gonna create this image that of who we are and how we can do everything and how amazing we are and we're in this world now where like everything is so crafted that when we see someone who's actually being authentic and being transparent that stands out that you're like oh maybe this person is actually honest and is a good person and a good mm-hmm. company that i actually want to work with and i'm okay that they're not perfect because so, i understand that nobody's really perfect yeah. so it's it's more important to work with good people as we've talked about yeah, yeah. um than to have somebody who gave me this great image yeah. and i think that's a lot of that possibly positive uh, publicity is just be transparent. Mm-hmm. Be who you are. Tell us who your company is. Who are your team? Tell us their story. Mm-hmm. It's I think way more interesting and um, and valuable mm-hmm. to the consumer today.
1: And I, I think that's great. What a lot of companies are doing. You just said tell your your employee story. Did I, I think I heard you correctly? Mm-hmm. I think instead of always focusing on yeah telling your your company story, your employees have amazing stories as well. You know, give them a voice. You know, put them up.
2: Yeah, I I think that the 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 team atmosphere where it's it's we're a company it's not we're not a CEO right we're not just a CTO we're a collection of people and in that we have a culture we have values um, and this is who we are and i think right now limelight health we're in the middle of kind of a big P- pr it's okay i well i can't say for positive publicity i can't That's say fine. pp that just seems weird so <laughs> so we're in the middle of a big pr push to kind of let everyone know who we are and it's mm-hmm. we're trying to talk about who we are as a company and what our values are and and um, and who our team members are. And I think all of that, it just, it lets people feel like, oh, I, I, even if I don't know what that company does, that's one of our big challenges. Like a lot of people don't know what we do. They don't take the time to understand it, but they know who we are mm-hmm. in that they know the people, mm-hmm. they know the culture, they know what we're about. And we do, we try to push out positive messages that have nothing to do with what we're trying to achieve, mm-hmm. but instead just like, hey, here's this, just recently, we sent out one. It was about having good posture at work and how it can actually just help with your day-to-day um, you know, uh, physical well-being. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a great one. It's just like being helpful to people, mm-hmm. being positive, mm-hmm. and letting them feel like they're a part of what you're doing.
1: And you're creating a comfortability.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think then now when you have a message, they're more interested to listen. Yeah. Because now they trust you.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, Brian, one, one thing that... I think the authenticity is important. One One thing I'm curious about if you've seen is that We were actually looking at some research uh, at Intuit on the impact of the mega platforms out there, Google and Facebook and and Twitter, in that they've become these ML personalization uh, dynamos, so much so that they've created echo chambers, Mm -hmm. that people are only generally seeing things that they agree with because all these things are trying to do is build engagement. And I'm wondering if in the course of your work you've seen any of the kind of repercussions of that is you're trying to develop uh positive uh PR for for companies and that there's like generations of people growing up who are used to this environment where they they walk outside and they're like what the heck is going on this isn't what I see on the internet and people talk about the internet they're like that's not the internet I see have have you seen any of this in terms of the companies are really struggling to figure out how to tell their message because so much of these mega platforms have become these echo chambers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and it's so saturated with content too that it's hard to get, you know, push yours out and make sure that people see it. That's why I tell companies um, all the time, don't neglect your backyard. Don't Mm. neglect your local community because there's ways in which you can build that attention, build your brand, uh, and create that comfortability right here in your backyard. It doesn't always have to be on that national, international level. If you start here, then... Your voice, your message will you know will gain more steam because you'll have you know people in your corner in your local community that tell your story as well. So you'll create, like I said, those torchbearers. So the community is huge. It doesn't matter if you're a multi-billion-dollar company. Being active in your community and going out, and introducing yourself, and getting involved in a lot of different philanthropic uh, goings-on and, and, and events is going to help you immensely in the long run with that message you talk about getting inundated in such a loud and noisy, Mm. you know, market of, of social media. Mm-hmm. So, so don't neglect your backyard. I always say introduce yourself to every single stakeholder in your area. every elected official, let them know what you do. Don't ask them for anything and what you do is you create again a comfortability, you let them know who you are. and that's going to create more opportunity down the road. Uh, I've had so many instances where we invited elected official into the office. we just said, hey, we want you to see what we're doing. we want to show you our place. We not want to you know just want to let you know what we're doing. We don't want anything from you. A couple months later, that same elected official, you know, contacted the CEO of the company and said, "Hey, will you come on TV with me? We want to talk about what we're doing, you know, in the tech community or in this community. I think mm-hmm. you'd be great to come on TV with me." So there's an opportunity yeah, that you created. Yeah. There's other, you know, stories of you invite people in, and maybe some of those people could be local influencers, and then they go on TV the next day and talk you up mm-hmm. and be, you know, your spokesperson at the end of the day. So don't neglect your local community. And I think once you get them in your corner. You know, your voice gets louder and, and it's easier to tell that story. You're going to get people to like what you put on social.
0: You're going to get people to, you know, elevate that message. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think I like, I mean, Intuit is doing that with mm-hmm. your... Um, uh, I actually see you guys pop up mm-hmm. in my news streams all the time because of the female founder thing, mm-hmm. the innovation stuff you're doing. And, and I, I met one of your directors... Who uh, is is behind all of that? So that that to me is a great example of putting into it on the map, because you're 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 tending to your backyard.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we everywhere that we have a strategic center, we make sure that we're actually part of the local community. Mm-hmm. So I was actually in Bangalore in India in November, and one of the things we did is we set up an event with local high school students to actually teach innovation to high school students and to try to encourage them to go into STEM, and ac- especially girls to go into STEM. And so, you know, I love that push that uh, you have to be a member of your communities, and even if you're a global company, you can't forget that you have employees. They are physically located somewhere, and being a member of those communities is important.
1: Right, uh, and that's awesome. I do see a lot of stuff that you guys are doing in the local community, and then that's awesome. That's great on you guys. Yeah.
0: So, uh, Brian, so what what do you do, man? <laughs> <laughs> that could be the hardest question i've ever gotten (laughs) so uh you you told me about this workbook you created which uh uh, you actually you gave me a copy uh i found it fascinating because i felt like you were giving away all the secrets which was was like insight into the process and formulating your message so how has that gone Uh, how have people responded to the workbook and then what's that meant for nuts and bolts pr off yeah, PR, it,
1: it's going well. It's, there's definitely a learning curve. It's the first book that I ever you know, published, self-published and authored. And, and uh, it, it has its ups and downs. Um, but what I love about it and what I love about what I do is that I, I really enjoy helping the, the small business, the person that's even thinking about starting a business. That's, that's what I'm super passionate about is empowering them with, with knowledge and tools that they could actually use on their own no theory or anything like that but but helping people be able to organically use attention to grow especially in the beginning when you don't have a lot of capital and you need to spend your money you know hiring people you know like you guys engineers that know how to build stuff can actually you know build your platform out that's what you need to be spending your money on so i'm super passionate about just helping that person that wants to start a business and show them that there are tools at their disposal that they can use on their own that they can feel comfortable with they don't need to be intimidated by building a brand or creating attention or, or pushing out content it's it's not rocket science you can do it and it's addicting when you figure out you know and you leverage the, the power that it brings so that's that's what i love to do empower people that might not be able to afford a big agency that's going to come in and spend five you know you're going to spend five ten fifteen grand a, a month on that that you can organically do this create attention that's going to help you sell your product or service and that's yeah, what i, think I really I met love you,
0: i met you and then minutes later i was on tv
1: <laughs> yes, that is true. I, mean, I think we got you on KSI, but you could have done that yourself. I mean, obviously. You oh, know,
0: really? That's not what you told me. Back <laughs>
3: then,
1: oh man, you, you got me. I'm speechless for once. Um,
0: i i want to I want to come back uh, a little bit to uh, I think something that Alex alluded to earlier. Um, we with these conferences we do um, when we're promoting it on social media. Um I would say we're always on the cusp of a PR disaster, hmm. and the reason is um, that's kind of your style, isn't it? <laughs> disaster relations <No. laughs> um, we're uh, so 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 one of the biggest issues I ran into, uh, and, and I'm going to say quite naively and really innocently, is uh, when I put together the speaker list for my conferences, I think about the content first and about the diversity second mm. and and then uh, what naturally happens as CTOs you know a bunch of white guys and uh, and it's almost like i'm running so hard that uh i get everything organized published and then when i sit back i'm like oh shit you know i have a I have a diversity problem and not just a problem but it's 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 unfortunate you know because that in my heart that's not what i want We've gotten better where we've said, okay, you know, let's have diversity and content on par. Um, But something that happened, which was this PR disaster almost, was we created this viral sort of flame war. People from Norway, South Africa, you know, other places in Europe. And and it was actually, it was mostly not in the States. I think it was mostly over there. Um, And it was because... uh, our speaker list didn't have enough women on it mm. and and I, and I think this is what you said earlier was i mean i sat back and i just watched this thing go completely out of control on twitter and you know if you've ever read comments you can just see where this one person latches onto the wrong part of your message and then creates this whole new branch of conversation and um so our PR person that we had employed, uh, I think this was for one of our South African conferences, uh, they started crafting a message, and they were like, well, you know, the typical, we, you know, just, uh, just such a shitty corporate message to address this scandal. Mm. Um, and I just told, uh, I told this person, hell no, I am not associating my brand with that shit message. Uh, You know, the corporate, we have made every effort, blah, 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 and we're here and we will, you know. And um, against their strong encouragement, I just said, uh, We're not doing that. And I didn't know what the answer was, but I said, We're not doing that. And so what I ended up doing was I just ended up responding saying, It was super damn hard to find people, so shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) You're honest and the, the the whole reply thing stopped every the, the the guy who instigated everything just said well you know you can just google uh you can just google female tech people and i'm like okay great trust me i do conferences all the time <laughs> yes. i was like you know what uh feel free to google that and just send us a list we're totally open all to anybody all the people that show, all the that show up mm-hmm. And but that was one of those moments where I sat on the sideline and I realized this thing has gone way beyond my control. It just you know who knows what residual impression it's left with people. But that was a platform, the very innocent publication of the message, and it just turned into a shitstorm. Yeah, you know I,
3: I think that the transparency that you showed is important, right? Because uh, you could have follow either the lead that the, the PR folks there were trying to send you towards or come up with your own story, right? To try to say, well, how do I how do I tell a story here? as opposed to just being transparent about it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it doesn't mean obviously that you don't you know, going back to what you said before, Brian, about a positive spin on things, right? There's still ways to do that, but but starting with the transparency is critical, right? And it leads to moments of self reflection. Right. So you you said, Okay, we solve for content first, diversity second. And so maybe this is a moment of self-reflection that says, well, maybe next time we solve for diversity first and content second, Mm -hmm. right? Because I know when we look at how we hire and how we create product and then how do we then market and sell that product, one approach could be to say, well, we're going to have the highest bar for talent and we're going to build the best possible product out there. Then we're going to go hire some PR guy guy to tell everyone in the world that we're creating a diverse product. Mm or we can say we're going to go and hire the best diverse workforce because any bar that you come up with talent is arbitrary Mm. Um, it doesn't there's there's little proof that those bars actually are great predictors beyond the stuff that we talked about earlier today about cultural fit and proof of craft and all of that so build an amazing diverse workforce that will build an amazing diverse product and then when you go talk to the marketing folks you're like oh my god it's so easy to sell this product it's so easy to tell this story right Mm -hmm. and that that so the, the moment of transparency, the moments of reflection that get you to think about, all right, do we need to change the way that I lead? Do I need to change the way I prioritize? And then certainly the the, the marketing and the, and the PR you do on top of it becomes much, much easier. I mean, would you agree, Brian?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. And this, yeah. this conversation is exactly why I don't even like to use the word PR because yeah. everyone associates mm-hmm. it with damage control. Right. Yeah. And, and in this day and age, I really think, that PR and marketing have kind of blended together, especially in this digital age that we live in. Um, they've definitely melted, uh, to, to use a, a term. And um, yeah, and that's why I go with positive publicity because PR is that is that term that just doesn't inspire, doesn't create confidence. It's always damage control. That's what everyone thinks of.
2: I think it's it's an exciting time here listening to this conversation because what it, what I'm hearing is that people actually care about companies being good companies wow. and like being real and caring about diversity. What a
0: fascinating age.
2: Yeah, and I think and it speaks to like delivering that message, right? Because people want to do business with good companies and people are actually starting to vote with their dollar and say, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to choose to spend whatever 50 cents less on that product versus spending 50 cents more for a company that's actually doing things well. I'll spend a little bit more money because I want to vote for the companies that are really doing good and are being transparent and are caring about diversity, totally, caring about their employees, totally. um, and I think it's, I think there's a transition that's happening, like in society right now. It's really I mean the pretty whole,
0: exciting. Uh, I agree. I mean Uber and Lyft. When the Uber went through their sexual harassment stuff, mm-hmm. I deleted the app. Same here, and, and I, I tell everybody that I know not to use Uber. I only use Lyft. I still only use Lyft, <laughs> and uh, Uber basically lost me as a customer now. Um, but their
2: PR is doing such a great job. <laughs> Have you seen their videos,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Brian? You were involved with that. No, no, I'm no, kidding. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, um, but, but, um, uh, but it's at the expense of you know, ten minutes to wait for the Lyft driver. This mm. was a couple of years ago. It's better now, but you know, sometimes cars would not be available mm-hmm. uh, on Lyft, and then you s- you see your Uber buddy is like, "Hey, man, mm-hmm. it's two minutes away." Yeah. But, I, but, but, the, but, but, the, but I personally, I don't know if I represent. That customer base you're talking about, but I do feel like I feel much better. I know I can't support certain types of companies. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I, I, going back to what you said, real quick, I think um, it, it benefits it benefits the the employer and the employee um, to be transparent, to be honest, to build credibility because your reputation is huge. You might not always be at the same company, you know, for the rest of your life. So if you move on and start a new venture or do whatever you got to do if you have a bad reputation, and we all know those people, you know, oh, hey, that person was, you know, was doing some sketchy stuff, that old company that sticks with you. So if you're making money today doing something that's sketchy, uh, it's not going to help you in the future when you move on to something new. So your reputation really matters. And and keeping that credibility Mm. is huge for somebody that that might not be at the same company for 30 years. You know, what's making you money today might not be there tomorrow. And if you've, if you've cut the line, if you've you know, if, if if you've you know taken advantage of people's trust, then that's not going to help you no. the next time you want to sell something.
0: So uh, let's talk a little bit about reactive PR. So positive meaning proactive, mm-hmm. uh, get myself out there. But you know wh- what happens when I have a breach, or the, you know something really bad happens. I, I'm the CTO. We have to navigate you know some sensitive waters i mean surely there is a right and a wrong way uh to 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 handle that you know that's probably the worst possible time to try and be positive about it like hey you know your data is out there but you know look at the bright side uh (laughs) no you're gonna get credit card offers that you never knew
1: existed I, I think having system depending on the, there's a lot of different scenarios that we can touch on but having systems set in place um, that you know could be compromised in the future and then if that is compromised having that plan of attack to go through and not be caught off guard is number one mm-hmm. um, so always plan for the worst um, and then I think and I, I think I don't really do this the crisis uh, communication stuff but I always go back and I see stuff on TV whether it's with politicians or you know big CEOs You got to just be honest there's no way you're going to hide anything anymore the days of hiding things and and acting like no one's going to find out are over Mm -hmm. someone's going to find out people are going to talk again 24-hour news cycle there's there's so much information being poured out there so the faster you can just be honest with people and come out with that plan and and try and take action the better it's going to be i i think so many people hope that some sort of crisis communication is gonna make things like it never happened and it's not true. It happened already and you're gonna deal and you gotta deal with it. You're mm-hmm. not gonna you can try and get back to where you were and that's the whole thing, but you're not gonna make people forget about it. Mm-hmm. So so be honest, have a plan of attack.
0: I like that. I like
2: that. Well I think you know, some of what we've seen I think it was what was like Southwest when they had the issue, people credited them with um, one, being transparent, explaining you know, what happened, how it happened, but then also making things right, like showing that you care about your customers and that they're not just cogs in, in your business wheel, but that we care about them as humans, we care about them as people, we want to make it right, let us show you that we care about you, we made a mistake, something happened, we screwed up, whatever it is, but then also, we want to keep your business, that's really important to us, we know we screwed up, so let us give you some token of something, whatever that might be.
0: 100% accurate, totally right. Yeah. How do you think Boeing's doing?
2: Their CEO is gonna take the first flight on the uh, eight hundred max. That's what he said. That's. I think by the time you have to say that, it seems like maybe there is something wrong.
0: <laughs> I think at that point they're hoping you are flying on the faulty plane. Yeah.
1: But okay, uh, you know what? I, I haven't I haven't paid it as much attention to it as I should. But I mean, everything that I've seen, I, feel, I mean, I feel like they've admitted fault from the beginning. Is that accurate? Or, I mean. You I might know. know. You I've, might know more I about feel it like than I do. I feel have like
0: they're, they're, i mean, personally, just my opinion. It just mm. feels like there's kind of being assholes about it. Mm. Just, but, 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 yeah. I, I, no one listens to this podcast, so let's go. For it. <laughs> no, I.
3: I think they've been. Uh, I think they've communicated less in terms of what they know than you probably. We probably would feel that they should have. Yeah. Right. I don't think they outwardly like try to deny anything, but mm. the pace at which the story is coming out is probably. There's a craving that the story could have been a little bit more And it's
0: probably hard to get that out. It is.
3: I mean, the truth of the matter is they may not know, right? So you you never really
2: know why the pacing is what it is. They probably also have lawyers internally that are telling them they can't say a bunch of stuff, right? I always think about, you know, working in software. I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm not building planes that people fly on and can die on.
3: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. When I I worked in, uh, I wrote software for medical devices, we couldn't call something a fatal bug. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Right, because at some you, point someone might look at that report and say, "What do you mean fatal?" Was right. like, "Well,
1: fatal to the software." Like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, this isn't a medical device. No, no. Then you have to go through, uh, you know, what, uh, uh, FDA. FDA. Yeah, exactly.
0: So uh, to kind of land this plane, <laughs> <laughs> or crash it, um, bring us home. What I want to know, so. Let, to, to kind of take your experience with politicians, um, something that I hear a lot with CTOs is we aren't really good at cultivating our public persona. Mm-hmm. And whether it is to create a persona, or and, and, and truthfully, uh, an authentic persona around uh, one where people want to come work for you versus the persona that guarantees your sort of continued growth up the whatever ladder you want to climb Mm -hmm. Um, if you were to draw on your experience on working in the political space um, do you have a couple tips for us as CTO types or technology executives uh, you know heads down working our asses off to kind of make this current venture success and possibly at the expense of nurturing and cultivating what's next Mm -hmm. Uh, what are some of the things you know beyond just You know, start a personal blog. You know, Um, like what? What are some of the things that you feel are low-hanging fruit based on what you've seen? uh, You know, in your political space, I kind of want to draw on the politics because those are people who also, you know, are nurturing a a persona that what they want people that want to draw people.
1: Well, my first very political answer for, for everybody out there is you have to join seven TTOs.
0: <laughs> oh, 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 wow. Wowzers.
1: You got the right guest.
0: Man. You, so that's, that's my first piece of advice. The timing of that delivery was superb. Dude, you just went from 35 bucks to 38 bucks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but but riffing off that, really, I, I think getting out there um, and going to more events, uh, meeting more people, Is going to be huge because I always like to say nobody knows really who you are, what you do, until you go out and introduce Mm -hmm. yourself. So, so start attending more meetups. Excuse me. Start attending more meetups, uh, more conferences. uh, Introducing yourself. I think you start right there. It's simple. I know it's tough for some uh, some of the engineers. I've worked with a lot of them, and they're more yeah, face in the screen rather than face to face with somebody else. But it's it's kind of getting out of your comfort zone. So challenge yourself to get out of your comfort zone. Maybe instead of a blog, uh, you know, film a film a sixty second video on a on a topic that you're passionate about, right? Maybe uh, you have an idea of a certain way to code, uh, and you want to share that with people. Instead of writing it, you know, share a share a sixty second clip, you know, and ask for comments below. Get out of your comfort zone, uh, and you'll be surprised what what you can do and what doors open mm-hmm. up for you.
0: I like what you said earlier about um, inviting stakeholders, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, especially when we st- I think we talked about the backyard and all that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't have to get out of your comfort zone. You just invite them into your comfort zone. So, for instance, if it is, you want to invite you to come tour our facility or come. You know, we uh, we want to take you out to lunch. So maybe the barrier of, you know, I've gotta go attend meetups, I have to introduce myself, I have to film myself, I mean, filming myself is terrifying. (laughs) Um, But maybe there's an easier way to say, hey, uh, you know, we're hosting so-and-so, and and we'd like to invite you to come to that. Is that -hmm. that
1: a? Absolutely, I I always recommend inviting people in, especially if you are the business owner. If you're the employee, yes, I think going out to more meetups is is definitely something you should be doing. But yeah, as the employer, as the business owner, um, yeah, bring people in. I always want to say bring people in because then it just creates an added layer of comfortability. They've been in your you know, in your territory and, and now that has helped you out a little bit more.
2: You know, one of the things that, uh, the Seven CTOs Conference, uh, one of the comments I've heard from almost every CTO that I've talked to about it was the difference between that conference and how the comfort level of individuals being able to talk to one another versus how they normally feel at meetups and conferences. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's like a CTO thing or if it's everybody, but you got other conferences and it's like there's that awkwardness of Mm. introducing and whatever um and that was something that i found and other ctos have mentioned um around the the 0111 conferences is that they feel different and maybe it's because we're all ctos there but it's definitely something that i think we've heard from a lot of ctos is that it's it's not in our comfort zone to like go to conferences and put ourselves out there and because it feels it feels so much pretentious yeah it feels pretentious and it goes against kind of our Uh, a logical brain like you either have to be on or off yeah but i do think being able to invite people into your comfort zone which you know i think every cto that i'm aware of in the organization has such interesting things going on inviting people in to come and just talk about what they're doing or see our facility or meet our team Mm. things like that i think it's it's a great opportunity for everyone
1: and you don't always have to talk at a conference sometimes the best thing to do is observe and that's going to create ideas Mm. so um, yeah, you, it's not like you have to go and it's speed dating I think a lot of people feel that way when they go to a conference like oh, okay, I have to talk to 20, 30 people and it's like sometimes you can just so sit much. back and absorb and listen people like that too
0: I, mm-hmm. when I go to conferences and I'm a raging extrovert I I, I just want to be invisible I just want to sit in my seat I don't want to meet anybody I just want to sit I feel like I shrink myself a little bit mm. and I just kind of sit and I just I'm praying that no one talks to me why? Why does that happen?
3: I think it's the sensory overload, right? It's just like so many opportunities. There's so many signals coming in. I mean, certainly, I, I guess as a, as a as an extrovert, I mean, I grew up as an introvert, and now I'm more of an omnivert. And so I, you know, I just have ability to just like turn the spigot on and off. And so when I'm at conferences, it's about zeroing in on like
0: one or two people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? but as you're opposed lucky, to Alex. The thousands I mean, of you're people. lucky because whenever I see you amongst people, they're all standing around you.
3: Yeah, part, yeah. I guess part of that is me and part of it is the role. But yeah, uh, you know, the, one of the one, f- one of the funnier stories is when uh, I have uh, this uh, tech evangelist who works for me and she sometimes sets up for me to meet with frontline engineers and, and she'll say, you know, Alex, they're really intimidated by you. I'm like, why are they intimidated by me? Like, well, you're the chief architect of the company. I'm like, oh, okay, I forgot. <laughs> because I just, I think of myself as the engineer who joined yep. into it 20 years ago. That's great. Right? So
0: yeah I know I must say it's your accessibility and just your genuineness is what what I love I do think the omnivert is the mic drop moment (laughs) hey y'all I'm an omnivert
1: (laughs) I gotta look that up
0: (laughs) they talk about a googleable keyword that probably doesn't exist yeah like googleable (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> two in one sentence. Two in one sentence. Okay, Brian. Uh, I think we're done. Anything? Anything else? Where can people find you? Uh, uh Nuts and Bolts of uh,
1: my YouTube channel, Nuts and Bolts of PR. I just I have a lot of tips and advice there. So uh yeah, I go to my website, my YouTube channel, I'm all over, you know, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that, all that good Very stuff. Cool. So And you are you
0: genuinely are you genuinely positive? No, I'm you're... super
1: negative on there. I like to really, you know, belittle people and yeah. you know, put them down. No, of course, it's all positive. Okay.
0: Brian Jones, Alan Alex, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. Have you chatted with a CTO lately? Hi, thank you for listening to The CTO Studio. If you don't mind, take a quick second and please rate and review the show. It helps us a lot. Go to thectostudio.com for more information on what we're doing at 7CTOs. We also have a video or two for you that could be a helpful resource for you as you're managing your company. So thank you for listening.